Thank you for the opening of the green door for us, the four Kingsmen, and welcome to episode <laughs> six of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we love to talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other degeneration comedy tidbits. Now, my name is Matt, and joining the podcast today is, in alphabetical order, Alison, Daniel, and Kim. <laughs> How are we all tonight, or today, depending on when you're listening? So nervous for next week and the election. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, take cover, everyone. (laughs) At the moment, I'm just happy that nobody has uh, knocked on our door because we're doing this on Halloween night. Not expecting any any tricking or treating tonight, uh, for which I'm thankful. Well, if you you hear any big noises such as big hail or thunder, lightning or rain or anything like that, we up here where I'm at, uh, we just had a big hailstorm. So, and right now it's gone quiet just in time for this recording. Fingers crossed it stays that way. Yeah. So, and, and yes, it's Halloween. And we've got our Queensland on election. So there we go. I completely dated this podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> so in this episode, uh, we'll be talking about season one, episode six of The Late Show. But before we get into it, and we do have some feedback. In fact, we've got a, dare I say, a water key. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, lovely. Yes, yeah. and if you're unsure of a water key, that means <laughs> I took a lot of time and effort to make that. <laughs> uh, that's where uh, Mr. Warnicky, who is a who was an avid uh, Degeneration Late Show <laughs> reviewer fan, uh, who was quite harsh on the show in the papers. Well, this is where we do have some negative feedback. I wouldn't say negative. I'd just say constructive criticism, I guess. We we could probably say not positive. Yeah, not positive. So this one, I won't mention the name, but uh, it was written on Facebook saying that the Champagne Comedy Podcast, they might have to sit that one out a little bit because they tend to ramble on a lot and they run way too long. And they've listened to two or three episodes. So at least we got them for that part. So, uh, yeah, I somewhat agree with... Yeah, Yeah, they have a point, to be honest. Yeah, that's a fair cop. So in this case, let's um, make our nearly two-hour show a really short one just for you, unnamed person. If you look at the Facebook comments, you'll see who it is. So here's a really, really short version of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Ah, (laughs) that was the best episode ever. Oh, I can't believe you said that, Daniel. Actually... Actually, Matt, I've I've got about three hours I want to talk about tourist attractions in the nineties. If you could just cram that in. Oh yeah, I, I will <laughs> squeeze that in somehow. We'll make that the biggest podcast ever. Oh, we yeah. talked about so much. We got through so much in that episode too. I know, right? Jeez. I mean, honestly, mm. and we're in, nearly in time for the next election. <laughs> well, in America yeah <laughs> so thanks very much for listening and this is the Champagne Comedy Podcast reach out to us on TLS Champagne or Champagne Late Show at gmail.com yeah. thank you bye. bye are they gone? yeah maybe yeah there we go <laughs> so there we go just for 
for people who think we go on a bit too long, fair cop. Uh, look, I'll take that. P- perhaps you can think of this like uh, like one of the dinner party sketches in that, yeah, it does go on for far too long. Yeah. Thankfully, you've, you've got a whole fortnight between episodes in order to uh, consume it. So, uh, well, but yeah, point taken. We'll try and keep it brief. I will say, though, that, you know, we are still continuing on from episode five because I think uh, someone else is still chatting. I don't have to step out of myself <laughs> when I'm on camera. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, imagine what the rushes were like for that documentary, you know. <laughs> they weren't rushed, that's for sure. I mean, you know, that, that was one of the good bits of what she said. No. <laughs> I've also just got to quickly highlight, which I didn't get to play last episode, but after um, when this is in regards to episode five, Santo, when he did Understanding Wogs and went and visited Uncle Alberto, uh, Uncle Alberto. There we go. I'll get it one day. Yeah. So um, this is a clip from when he was on the party show on 3 R back in the day in 1992. Ah. So I've got this snippet. Mm. It goes for a minute in a bit, but this explains on how they did the tour of Uncle Alberto's house. What happened is my parents, right, know this fellow. He's not really my uncle, okay? Yeah, now, did, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. They go around and eat uh, broad beans at his house. <laughs> and, um, and, what the, and they came back one night and my parents said, you have got to go to this guy's house. You is just, that the, all the balustrading? Yeah, it's, the... Got, it's got cement balustrading but in wood finish and he's got <laughs> frescoes painted on the ceilings, right? Now he, and my parents are going, go to his place. You've got to film this place, right? So, and I kept on saying, yeah, look, I know, yeah, Woggy, Play ha ha ha, velvet, all that kind of Barocco stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, she, and they're going, no, no, no. This is different. Go to it. So I went along, right? And I brought my camera with me, and I filmed the whole thing as you as you could expect, you know. So I show it to my parents. And my parents go, "You can't show that on television." <laughs> what, what, what happened? You told me to go to this place, you know. So anyway, in the end, I told him I was going to play it and everything. And he's like, he's got kids, you know, and he must have told his kids and his kids are going, oh, hang on, you don't know what you got yourself into here. So he rings me up and he says, um, that thing that you filmed, can I just have a look at it before it goes to where? And I'm going, oh, no, you know, I've put the subtitles, sort of put woggy music and all this kind of stuff. So, so I prepared him. I said, look, people are going to be laughing at this segment, right? Because we're making a joke about the way SBS subtitle things. <laughs> and also, to make it more lighthearted, we've put funny music. <laughs> so uh, he convinced himself. And uh, and now he's really, really proud of it. I saw him at his 40th proud wedding. and Yeah, he is. He's very proud of it. I saw him at his 40th wedding anniversary last week. And he said he's been showing the tape to everybody. And he's telling everybody, and you know what? They're really nice guys because when they asked me to come to the studio, they sent a taxi to my house. <laughs> He lives in Glenroy, so he's really happy. It can all be smoothed over with a cab charge, can't it? (laughs) (laughs) So there's a bit of background on the understanding wogs and Uncle Alberto. So um, what a good sport Uncle Alberto was, actually. Mm. Yeah, it tends to be that a lot of the Chilaro family or extended family are really nice and warm. I guess we'll go straight into the episode, which is season one, episode six. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Whoops, what have I we missed? <laughs> Just two things. Again, keep, keep in mind we, we have to try and keep this short. Uh, we've got an article about um, the DGEN from the Sydney Morning Herald that appeared on the Monday before under the very kind headline, A Bunch of Degenerates. So the, the, the intro sort of um, uh, sets everything up, really. The degeneration crew may have been bruised at first, but they're still laughing writes Paul Pottinger. 
I won't read the whole thing out. They, they'd received quite a, a big kicking uh, critically uh, for the news show, which has only been on for about a month or so, with the remarks like ill-conceived, sloppy, elitist and even unfunny. Rob says uh, that he supposes some of the comedy will fall flat if you don't understand the subtext. We always expected it. And they also mention a couple of episodes back that so insulting and irrita- irritatingly irrelevant have some of them been that uh, the cast took the extraordinary step of belittling one of their critics, a Melbourne tabloid journalist and illustrator at the end of one program. They don't mention the Melbourne tabloid journalist, but I think we all know his name, don't we? Mm. Soundbite. Ah, yes, of course. Water key. There we go. <laughs> Thank you for the cue. (laughs) Thanks. In the dressing room afterwards, it was apparent that the degenerates, again, they're being called that. I don't know why they... It must be a bit like how Tony Martin gets my favourite Martin all the time. Degeneration of destinies will always be called degenerates. But, yeah, they were either highly peeved or basically unfazed by this gent. They also mentioned that um, the studio audience's reaction had been overwhelmingly positive um, and that there was little or no need for um, the applause sign um, to help prompt them. Uh, There was a bit of talk about Rob Sitch's impersonation of Bruce McEvaney, that it worked a treat, but even then we started getting people around here saying, we'll have to do that again. Where Bruce was great to do that week, when you start working a character into the show every time, there's no point in doing it, you get con the fruiterer, he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, kind, it's kind of nice that, uh, yeah, they, they didn't turn into a, you know, you'll be seeing him every week. There's also mention, again, uh, similar to the Green Guide piece, um, I mentioned that uh, the current deal with the ABC at the time was for 10-hour-long episodes with the option to extend to 22. I think that that might have been put in there uh, to sort of get the word out that uh, if you don't start appreciating this um, show very quickly, it's going to go away in four weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also a brief mention of Countdown and the fact that um, many of the episodes had been lost, believed wiped at the time. Um, Tom says, it's tragic. There must have been about 40 episodes a year shot over 10 years and the ABC wipes most of them. And last of all, the article ends uh, mentioning that it's far better that there's 15 minutes of dud gags in an ABC hour of 60 minutes rather than 45 minutes of nothing but dud gags. So fairly even-handed article there. You know, and and it come, they come across the the degeneration come across as, as having a really good attitude to the critics. I think you know they they sort of say, well, you know, this this isn't for that generation of people who are who are the newspaper critics. This is for a younger group of people who get where we're coming from. So you know that it's a it's a nice article. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, next thing will be the TV guide. Uh, I'm going to make it really quick. I'm probably going to say that a lot this episode. We've got to make it quick. We've got to make it quick. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll um, get another water key. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, on Channel 9, we've got The Great Race, uh, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis from 1966. On Channel 10, uh, we've got Jewel of the Nile uh, with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. And that Billy Ocean song. <laughs> that uh, Going Gets Tough. Tough That's gets the one. Going. Yep. On SBS, we've got a 1964 Czech comedy called Lemonade Joe, which, according to the Ross Warnicke review, is a spoof of the Hollywood Western with teetotaler Lemonade Joe taking on Hoggo Fogo, the hard-drinking villain, and pursuing the delectable Winifred with <laughs> Carol, Carol, Carol Fiala and Milos Kopecki. 
So um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they're they're probably like Tom and Nicole uh, in uh, in Hungary. I think. Oh, sorry, in uh, Czechia. What else? Uh, Channel Seven had football: Brisbane versus uh, Sydney. Uh, delayed coverage from Carrara. And then last of all, on the ABC, uh, the lead into The Late Show was Smith & Jones. And then straight after The Late Show was that high-rating uh, high program, Order in the House. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming a long way since, or well, we haven't even started with Birds of a Feather yet, have we? But mm. come, no, come, I, I, I yeah. haven't come across mm. it in the, uh, in the TV guides just yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon because I think there's probably only another episode or two of, uh, of Smith & Jones. And no, yeah, I think they used to make like six episode blocks of Smith and Jones, but um, yeah, I'm I'm also interested in when we switch over to Birds of a Feather. And there's no Michael Aspel in sight. Uh, the only other thing to mention is um, yeah, in the listing in the age, uh, Ross Warnicky likes to put his little critique next to the listing for the Late Show. This week's is a little kinder than last week's. He just says live Melbourne produced comedy show with a low laugh quota. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm still I'm still not forgiving him after last week's one about it being 55 minutes too long. Anyway, yeah. All right, excellent. Thank you for that report, Daniel. Here we go with season one, episode six of the Late Show, which was broadcast Saturday, August 22nd, 1992. And guess what? It is the era, the 1992 era of Jesus Christ Superstar. No, Yes. Uh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> wow. And uh, we have Rob going backstage at Jesus Christ Superstar with Glenn Wheatley and John Farnham. And John Farnham is playing the man himself. Oh, that's Jesus Christ. Just, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. And Rob tries to show, you know, the role playing Jesus Christ hasn't gone to Farnham's head. And there's all the jokes and all, every all the puns and everything that goes well with, you know, the every, Lord and Saviour. Every Savior. Catholic reference in the book in this opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. washing the feet, Shroud of Turin, there was turning water into wine. It was pretty much all there. So every little joke was right there. No, no just I was what Rob was wearing. <laughs> his skivvy and his um, holes in his jeans look. <laughs> very, very 90s. I was just yeah. amazed that this uh, sketch uh, came to fruition at all because like, I'm, I'm surprised that there wasn't some sort of PR person that might have stepped in and gone, yeah, this might not be a good look you know, for the, the upcoming tour if we have uh, John Farnham going through all these Jesus references. Do you think it drew bums on seats for it? Like, was it free publicity, especially when you're trying to, you can't really advertise on the ABC? My, my memory tour were, was that it was like a really big kind of blockbuster thing because I went to see it at the Adelaide Entertainment Centre and, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it filled up the entire stadium and, and it was playing in big stadiums all around the country and, and it did so well. They actually revived the, prod, the production, I think, a year later and they toured around big theatres as well because it was really popular because basically you've got John Farnham, you've got Kate Sobrano as Mary Magdalene You've got um, John Waters from Mud, of course, as Pontius Pilate, and you had Angry Anderson as King Herod, and John Stevens as well was was Judas, I think. So it was just these massive kind of you know rock stars basically, and and those people went to see it. So I don't know if it needed the publicity, but 
you know, it's a nice sketch that they do here. I've got a feeling that it might have been um, done very last minute because it seems like it might have been done on on one of Santo's camcorders, you know, just sort of uh, Rob pulling uh, John and Glenn aside and saying, you know, could you help us out with uh, you know, this idea we've got? Oh, they could have gone and actually seen it and then, yeah, done it on the spot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the camcorder from but Australia's also, Funniest Home Videos. But also, of course, you know, may, maybe this is the first time they met John Farnham and, and maybe because he was he enjoyed doing this, he was he was prepared to be in... Um, seemed like a good idea at the time, which was that, that a year later, wasn't it? Well, right. well also, also this comes after um, John Farnham's cameo in the Five in a Row video clip as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, 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 he punches yeah. out the, the DJ uh, Rob Sitch character. Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Yeah. So, yeah, one, one in, in a, uh, a few run-ins with John Farnham here, yeah. Yeah, I'm disappointed though that they don't go and see John Waters backstage, or they don't they don't do any filming with John Waters because you know he's in mud. <laughs> John Waters comes into it in a few episodes' time, I think. They were probably um, scared, if not shit scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So the opening titles when we have the opening remarks with Mick and Tony. There's no cheap jokes at the expense of Fergie and her relationship with Texan boyfriend John Bryan. And this is the famous financial advice routine. Yeah, I love it. It's just uh, <laughs> how to do your tax return, investing in debentures, and negative gearing. I love how it just cuts away to the next sketch and just leaves that for you to laugh at. Advising her brains out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good line. Yeah. yeah. I, love, I, love, I love the way the way Tony uses that euphemism. Like he also says later on that, you know, Woody Allen's been advising Mia Farrow from a uh, Mia Farrow's daughter from a very early mm. age. <laughs> yeah. And and you know, always nice to see a, a joy of sex parody as well. Yeah, and then Tony later on did an entire series <laughs> called The Joy of Sets. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, that was huge news at the time. Those those photos in Women's Day or when it, wherever it was, and um, yeah, we see this uh, later on in the news desk. We'll we'll get a chat to, to Fergie, and then she'll talk about more, in more detail about what happened. In fact, I do remember uh, fast forward at the time. I think it was in their final year, and they were doing a big satire of it where Gina Riley was playing. Uh, Fergie, and then it's like, go on, suck my toe. No one's watching, and then it came up with the sting of amazing stories. <laughs> YouTube it; it'll make sense. Yeah. But there was a nice little reference to Robert Gobleson, and I had to research who that was, and that was the columnist of the Australian Financial Review. So that was more or less a a math joke. Robert Gobleson was also the finance journalist on the ABC News, and I remember like early eighties, he he would appear on the news desk. Um, on the evening news on the ABC, and he would sort of he would present live a little segment on finance, the finance news for that day. So, so yeah, he's a well-known finance journalist at the time. Oh, there, that, that, that's that's really cool. So they always have something a little bit meta, maybe related to the ABC or some type of personality. Yeah. Uh, the news desk with Tommy G now, and straight up bullet point system. Here we go. So George Bush on the campaign trail again, ignoring claims of infidelity. Uh, Q8's awesome twosome finally complete the qualifying race and they show footage of a rusty boat moving very, very slowly. A bit tasteless, but, you know, it's uh, pretty funny. Uh, and another Parliament security scare as Kim Beasley smashes through the front doors. Yes, and that was a fat joke. Yay! <laughs> 
And I don't have the yeah. taking of Helen <laughs> one, two, three connected. So sorry. Don't have that. At so, all. Am, I, am I the only member of this panel who has actually Googled George Bush's infidelity in the interim between the last episode and this one? <laughs> yeah, I did quickly Google it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, I looked. I looked into it because you know none of us remembered that George Bush had, had been alleged to have had an affair, and apparently he had lots of affairs. But um, there was one particular affair, which is the one referred to, where. She was his secretary, basically, and and they were sort of, you know, lovers for for many many years, and and so wherever he moved around the world, she would go with him to provide secretarial services, basically. So, uh, gotcha. So yeah, not, not financial advice. <laughs> not, well, there probably was some financial advice involved, but um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, that, that's the story with that. So we have Budget Week and John Dawkins uh, shows the plan on getting the country back on track and they splice in an image of the, his resignation letter. And yeah. <laughs> Tommy G uh, has a pre-recorded interview with Dawkins asking questions with Dawkins constantly saying yes. 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 Very high-pitched yes. 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 <laughs> he also, and- yep. Oh, just that little head movement. It was just hilarious how they kept repeating that over and over. And you could just tell. Uh, I think that was one of those things that you would just say in the playground the next day at school, for me at least. We would just go around going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Some would say you're a yes man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Tommy also interviews Peter Reith, which is Rob. So that's another one of Rob's impressions there. So he's building him up very slowly. And his reaction to the federal budget, which is thirty seconds of cliche responses. Yeah, and uh, I, I was I was too distracted with all the cliches there because I was trying to work out whether there was any cotton wool in uh, Rob's mouth there. Yeah, it wasn't a great makeup job, was it? I I looked at him, I thought, <laughs> line him, you know. I just I, I, the, the ABC makeup people had had a sort of rough day that day. Yeah, that, that's understandable. Uh, they work really hard on Rob to make him whoever he needs to be, don't they? So credit to the makeup department. Yeah, yeah, especially considering it would have been, what, less than a couple of minutes worth of sketch. So we go to England and Fergie in the news over the steamy affair photos showing her topless. Now, the photos weren't published, so the late show publicised them and they queued a photoshopped, really badly photoshopped Fergie head on a naked woman's body. So, uh, yeah, that one... That, that probably would have been cutting-edge technology for 92, I reckon. <laughs> they would have literally cut out pieces of paper and glued them together. <laughs> and we have Jane as Fergie drinking champagne and having a chat with Tommy. After all they ramble on where it goes nowhere, the one joke that I loved out of it was when Tom asks if the Queen is upset, in which Fergie responds, no, Prince Edward's taken it rather well. <laughs> yeah, she is. And, and even, even then, Tom tries to save it by saying it was predictable even for us, I guess. <laughs> That's right. And then he, he, was, a, he was asking um, about how John Bryan was reacting to this whole toe-sucking scandal. But in reality, I think the first thing that he was saying was basically, I wasn't sucking a toe. <laughs> I was just like, kissing the, the instep or something, you know. He was really, really adamant that he wasn't doing that. Out of, out of everything that could happen. Next story is the Republican Party convention in Texas. So everyone has turned up and even Ronald Reagan after he was told that there will be free balloons. 
and they yeah. show. <laughs> it's it's always a thing with these these conventions, no matter what side of the the aisle, that there's always well there's always a big balloon drop. Yeah, they don't really have he- anything here for Australia, do they? Well, certainly nothing with as many balloons. That's for sure. No. The, the other thing with those conventions is that like the candidate will be standing in a in front of about thirty five American flags, and you think, could you get more flags onto that stage? You know, if <laughs> impossible they've run out of flags you know you think one would suffice you know <laughs> just just to make sure that it is that country that they're in and not say yeah. something like lapland yeah. or anything like that yeah mick, uh, mick makes an appearance in this clip where uh, dan quails look who is that lady she's your wife <laughs> <laughs> didn't he look and, pleased and to do that thought, um, alf camilleri is saddam hussein yet again oh yes yes Again, a good, a, a good little cameo spliced into, um, yeah, George Bush um, shaking someone's hand. Yeah. Now, Tommy G interviews Bush, which is Rob again. Rob's getting a good workout, that's for sure. And he promises... As, as is the Mickey Mouse phone. Yes. Yeah, not, not to see the Mickey Mouse phone again. Yeah. And he promises more hand gestures when he talks. And he's, he's going to over-enunciate the word Kuwait. Kuwait, going to stretch it out, gonna stretch it out. And then there's the um, the famous reference to how he says American family should be more like the Waltons and not like the Simpsons. Yeah, that was that was one of those famous lines, wasn't it? Yeah, and he also included other family values such as the Flintstones, the Manson family, and the Adams family. Oh, yeah, they yeah. may be Indian cookies, but they're all right. He said families should do things together like the Manson family, or, although quite like the Manson family, but anyway. Google it if you're unsure. There's a history you lesson. You also need to Google Paul Lind, who um, uh, Rob, as George uh, mentions, uh, he sounds like. <laughs> Paul Lind? Yeah, he's some sort of a, a confirmed bachelor, I think might have been the term at the time. Yeah, yeah. I sort of know him more from, I think he was the voice of... Oh, what was he, the voice of something in, in the original Charlotte's Web? Ah, mm-hmm. Templeton the Rat, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, Charlotte's Web. There we go. He was in Charlotte's yeah. Web. Yeah. And Beach Blanket Bongo. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Beach, ba- <laughs> Beach Blanket Bingo, which looks like it might sit next to Bikini Shop. <laughs> I, it, it's a rather more innocent film than Bikini Shop, but I'll just make that point. <laughs> bingo. And now the showbiz news, and Woody Allen and Mia Farrow have broken up and they make a last attempt at marriage counselling, and we have a little sketch, well, a little sketch that actually went on for a fair bit, which is uh, Q Jane as Mia and Tony as doing his best Woody impression, which I'm sure he would have got a kick out of, doing counselling like they're in a movie. I really, really love this sketch, I, I, you know, and, and you really appreciate it if you've watched a few Woody Allen films because there are sort of lines that are stolen from various Woody Allen films and, and you see the font that he always uses on his credit sequences and all of his films are full of kind of clarinet music because he Woody Allen plays the clarinet and all of that kind of New York anxiety that is, is infused with character that he always plays in all of his films and yeah it, it's a nice sketch and done with a lot of affection i think for woody allen's films anyway and unfortunately the audience just aren't going for it no they don't get it do they do you think it was too nerdy it, it, it is very very nerdy as a sketch yeah 
Yeah, I don't I'm, think I, I appreciated it the first time, and then once I once I got to know what he was getting at, I just yeah, I, I found it hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's one of those ones you have to you don't really get the first time if you haven't watched his films. I, I, I kind yeah. of appreciated it just more for the dead-on impression Tony was doing. I mean, I've, I've got I've got no idea if Jane, with that bucket hat pretty much over her whole head whether that's an accurate Mia Farrow uh, impression or not. Yeah, it is. It is for, for a certain era of Mia Farrow, yeah. And now this is the early presence of this iconic TV show. This is such a wistful theme, isn't it? Yeah. When you consider, like, the shouting that was so prominent in the show. Sort of <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, basically, basically <laughs> the, first, the first thing that, that comes after that very serene theme uh, in the first episode of uh, Sylvania Waters we're talking about is um, uh, Laurie and Nolan basically having an argument in the kitchen, something about, you know, he can have a bloody party if he wants to or something like that, which just absolutely... Yeah. Shatters the serene impression from that uh, title sequence. Did you watch the first episode too? Well, Not enough time, but I, I definitely will now. I mean, that was a huge show, and it was it was big in the UK. Was it was it originally was it a UK production originally? Is that how how it all started? It's an it's it's a BBC ABC co-production, mm. and yeah, it's all available on YouTube. Um, uh, not quite legally, but it's in pretty good quality on YouTube. Like. Uh, almost broadcast quality looking with a 10-second countdown on YouTube, if you can find mm. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just... kind of amazed it hasn't been taken down yet. It was quite a cringy show and you kind of felt, this is not really how we all are, but that was one of those original reality shows and the accusations of it all being edited down to make them look bad, etc. cetera. Um, Sylvania Waters is just a few minutes down the road from here. I remember when it was such a huge show, they actually had a barbecue at their house and I went there with my mum to actually meet them and get a barbecue off them. <laughs> and I was waving to the son from the balcony. He was waving on – I had my video camera with me and he's he's on the balcony waving as I was eating a sausage. Is, is, that, is that the one – I think that there might be footage of this on YouTube also, but I think it might have been – there might have been a Today FM – Outside broadcast yeah, with Black Thunder's sort of... That's probably what it was. It was related to a radio station, so, yes. Right. I'll have to see if I can find that footage. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah, please do. I'm I mean, so... <laughs> wow. I had no idea. I mean, again, this is like how innocent were the 90s. They just inv- they just sort of basically told people the address that they live at. Yeah, you know? and you just go there and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that's kind of... It was kind of revealed in the show anyway where, you know, where they lived. But, you know, these days they would really try very hard to protect people from, from the potential of being stalked or whatever by weird people. And and back then, yeah, this is our dress. Come around for a barbecue. Just like it, it really was a different era. The whole part was that a commercial station was seeking interest in their own version of Sylvania Waters. And so up comes a little bit of a sketch Starring Ali Donison, Eric McFan, McFean, my apologies. Uh, he's from Neighbours, uh, and Craig McLaughlin as well from Neighbours, and someone resembling East Street's Mr. Bad. Uh, they threw every single soapy cliche into the entire one minute bit, which 
Uh, falls flat on the audience, but if you're aware of how it all works, it was bloody funny. Craig gets to say, how many times do I have to tell you I've got the lead in the Rocky Horror Show? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Also, I'm, I'm amazed that um, this is the first mention of Sylvania Waters that we've seen on The Late Show because both The Late Show and Sylvania Waters started, I think they started the same week. So it's been six weeks and this is the first we've sort of heard about it. Yeah, it must have taken a while to take off, you know. I do remember the hype coming up to it where it was in a lot of newspapers and TV week, but it was kind of like what they do now where all the hype is, oh, this is so negative, so horrible, even before it was shown. Yeah, that sort of outrage and controversy and, you know, it's all good for publicity apparently. And I do remember that I think some of the neighbours of – the Donahers uh, weren't impressed. I wonder why. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so after the news desk, we have a quick little commercial sketch, which is Butcher's Hair Studio. And they pretty much draw polar opposites from a fancy hairdressing salon to a dodgy and rough 90s bloke type feel of hair studio. Jason, all nice and fancy. And you have Mick as rough as guts. Yeah, and, and- I mean... This is like a, a sort of fairly decent parody of a pretty dodgy barbershop, you know, the sort of the one where anyone, any men waiting to get their hair cut could, could read a selection of, of light pornography. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, one of, one of Mick's offerings at Butcher's Hair Salon is that he'll cut your hair with a chainsaw, which, um, and then, then there's a shot of Tony bandages having received this treatment. So, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, kind of parody of blokiness, essentially. It's also got quite a lot of good lines in it, like, um, yeah, there's no uh, herbal tea or flicking through copies of The Face, which, geez, yeah. that's, a, that's a really 90s reference, I've got to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to work um, in the office that The Face was in back when I was living in London, and they, the magazine had only just uh, closed down, and they left, they had to leave abruptly, and we had to go, and we were able to grab some of their stationery and old magazines and, um, Kodachrome promotional slides of random movies, and I found it. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit random. Old printer cartridges that I sold on eBay. <laughs> That's what happened to the face. But it's back again, isn't it? They, they brought it back on online. Did they? Well, no. I think they. Did. I think they. I think they. If someone was going to bring it back. I remember reading something that maybe. COVID that's stuff. sort of true of most magazines yeah. these days. They, don't, they, they stop the print edition and, you know, it's just it's another website. Uh, born in London in 1980, the original definitive style magazine. And reborn in 2019. So that is com. I'm guessing that's it. That's the one that you're yep. referring to? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. I, I, want, I, I wonder if, uh, if Trucking World um, <laughs> faced the same fate, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is the, the butcher's alternative to... Um, uh, to the hair, star, um, hair studio. Oh, I'm disappointed that Butchers doesn't offer the the Australian Post or whatever Aus Post or whatever it's called, which was Australasian, yeah, Australasian Post. That's the one, yeah, which was a feature of the barbershop my dad frequented. So, uh, <laughs> uh, he yeah. wasn't there just for a haircut. Oh well, to be fair, I don't think my dad ever indulged in that particular magazine. There was also <laughs> a selection of you know nice magazines for men about cars. You know, gotcha. Wheels magazine, that kind of thing. Sorry for stereotyping your dad that way. Yeah, there, there was My a apologies. choice of reading. <laughs> okay. My father's still alive, Matt, so he could sue you. Oh, okay. All right. Censor that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
he probably, um, he probably another, would. Uh, another line I liked was uh, book your yearly cut at Butchers, which <laughs> yeah. uh, that, I think that, that, that sounds like me in 2020, really. Yeah. I've still got the long beard. I've still got the long hair. I think I'm, I'm going to get my yearly cut in the new year. Well, I just realised too, because we're missing Prue and Tony, because they're based in Melbourne, and now they've got their freedom right now, so I'm sure mm. there were a yeah. lot of them. That, that excuse they made about how they couldn't do it tonight, they're, they're both at the pub. Yeah, they, they, they've got their freedom. Yeah. I'm sure one of them's down at Butcher's Hair Studio. And I don't blame yeah. them either. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> so, so next segment we have is Countdown Classics, and the theme is the Ladies of Countdown with tributes to Marsha Hines, Cheetah, which has uh, Lindsay and Chrissy and Christy Allen, putting the, you know, lycra leggings and knotted T-shirts back on the map, as well as with Tom making a reference to what Jane is wearing and saying that if she was inspired by Christy when she's going, uh, no, this is what I usually would wear. Yeah, yeah. Jane's really getting into it. She knows the lyrics really well in this segment, doesn't she? And because it's always a running joke with uh, Molly Meldrum, you know, Molly expresses his appreciation for Linda Rodstadt, <laughs> also showing... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, hey, check out this lady. And if you just read between the lines. What about that for a lady, he says, yeah. Yeah. He says, because I, I had to write this down, this lady is definitely my heartthrob. Duh. And uh, <laughs> this week I'm showing you what I think is the ultimate in ladies. Mm. The ultimate in ladies. Tommy G's line following that is, it's not really an expert opinion though, is it? Yeah. Or <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, Linda Rothstadt's pretty good, you know, as a singer and everything, but, uh, but yeah, not um, Molly Meldrum, specialism women. Uh, I, I also want to mention also in the intro, um, uh, Tom and Jane List um, quote macho figures, unquote, and then they, they go on to list all of these teen heartthrobs like, Ray Burgess, mm. Daryl Braithwaite, Leif Garrett, and John Paul Young, um, who uh, I don't know if you know, but I'd say they're probably not that macho. Probably sex singles, but definitely not macho men. No. And it just it just went right over the head. But we all got it. We all got it. We thought it was funny. It was also tributes to Pussyfoot, Nusha Fox, and Elton John. Mm, had that slip in there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and... Tommy's countdown hornbag is the girl with the big <laughs> norgs from Promises. Hey, 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 she's got her name. Her name's Leslie now. Come on. Hey, I'm just <laughs> quoting what Tommy said. Yeah, we actually, when and I was Googling this, we just typed in woman with the big norgs from Promises and then Leslie came up. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no, she didn't really, but that, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she probably Wait. would have because I'm sure someone on our on our forum mentioned it. And it probably will come up on Google, but uh, yeah, <laughs> someone else yeah, can test, test we, that out for me. <laughs> yeah, shall we try that Google search right now? I don't. Um, there's, there's quite a nice joke in the end of this segment. Um, you know, Tom talking about the woman from Promises, and um, and at the start of the segment, he he's really manspreading quite severely. I, I would yeah. say. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, Tom, put your legs together slightly. Mm. Right at the end when he's talking about the woman from Promises, it's we suddenly realise why he did it. Yes. <laughs> and yes. he's like, no, I'm, Jane, I'll just sit here for a while. <laughs> you go yeah. off. I'm, yeah. I'm still sitting down here and his legs are crossed mm. equally yeah. opposite of, of, of man spreading. I just Googled 
that exact line. And in, <laughs> yep. were you in incognito mode? Or? Oh, oops, delete. Yes, clear cache. And yes, it's 100% accurate. Excellent. I'll take a screenshot later and put it on Twitter. Great. Yep, TLS Champagne. You'll see it there following after I've uploaded and posted this episode. Hey, guess what it's time for? Mud! Hey. The Olden Days, Episode 6, <laughs> Judge Mutton Chops. You know, these sideburns, guess what? They're not even real. <laughs> Don't forget the episode title of this is Front Bottom Gets the Shaft, which is a very Tony Martin-esque uh, title. Mm. What I love about this is where they introduce Constable Bad News. So I want to know, in Rush, what resulted in that character picking his nose? Yeah. Because he hides the news internally. And for five Mm. seconds he's scratching or he's got his thumb up his nose trying to find the message. Some fantastic sort of crunching sound effects when uh, when the uh, the fingers are up the schnozzer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what had happened was uh, Front Bottom is to be replaced by Governor Funbags, who congratulates everyone on their superbly dubbed voices. Except for one. Yes, except for one, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Governor. <laughs> and we have uh, Funbags claiming that he's going to make a lot of change around the mudfields, and while he's in charge, you know, he's going to bring it on. But Front Bottom calls him out saying that this is the only footage of him in the entire series and it's not going to happen. And that's, that was probably true. Mutton Chops <laughs> calls out the fact that it's like, well, this story arc has come to an abrupt end, so let's make a toast <laughs> by serving up the main course, goat's testicles deep fried in rat's phlegm. Yeah. She, she started old and rushing off. And then the line, that'll be on back chat. <laughs> One of the first of many backchat jokes that they do in a, in a series. Yeah, the, I mean, the late show itself was on backchat, I think, but um, maybe not yet. I, I don't know when when they were on backchat. There was there's some on YouTube. I think you can see the late shows, the the backchat segment about late show. The only one I, I can recall is from uh, the next year when Judith Lucy came on, and I think the words that repellent feminist might have been used here, um, oh, yeah. in, relation, in relation to her. Yeah. Next segment is Muckraking with Mick and Jace, and they're discussing the Marilyn Monroe special on Channel 10, The Marilyn Monroe Files, hosted by Bill Bixby. Yes, this special is on YouTube. I watched it for about three, four minutes, and I had to turn it off. I'm amazed <laughs> you, you got that far, because this thing ran for two hours on the Monday before uh, this episode. Two, two hours? hours. 8.30 to 10.30, yeah. Wow. Was that to coincide with the 30th anniversary of her death or something, presumably? Yeah, it, it was early 60s she died. So, But Mick was disappointed that Bixby didn't turn into the Incredible Hulk once. <laughs> yeah, very disappointing. Uh, they show a clip of the guests on the show with Mick spliced in claiming that he was sleeping with Marilyn on the time of her death. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been quite young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this that was she died before he was born. Oh, good oh, on me! Don't, don't go bringing reality into this. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just I, 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 I prefer right. so you give that give that thumbs up to camera and that sort of it's true kind of look towards the camera. Yeah, <laughs> I love that moment, but yeah, I was being pedantic. I also like uh, Jason's little um, retort to that, saying, uh, "You get around, don't you?" <laughs> <laughs> And other clips were shown were uh, hopeless reenactments. 
So really, really bad stuff. Uh, so Jason Mick decided to make their own using Ken Bruce's twin sister Madonna <laughs> to reenact a couple of scenes. So good use of a nice throwback to Ken Bruce, that's for sure. So they yeah. show some other boring clips which they reenact with more pizzazz, such as and, – and they start reading Marilyn's diary as well. Day one, boofed president. Day two, taken five sleeping pills, still can't get to sleep, might try watching the main event. So there's that another. Usually does the trick. Yeah. Yes. And day three, slept with the whole Kennedy clan. John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, even had a crack at Gerard Kennedy from Division Four. <laughs> Ken Bruce's twin sister Madonna is doing a lot of um, manspreading as well uh, throughout the reenactments as well. And of course, it, it all ends in the immortal catchphrase: "Marilyn, baby, what, what are, are you, you doing?" doing? <laughs> we got to get those made into T-shirts. <laughs> the next bit is one of Tony's iconic moments, especially on the Best Bits of the Late Show DVD, where Tony talks about Robert De Niro and his previous jobs and other bits and pieces and how he, what he did before he got into acting, jobs including being a waiter, being a contestant on a quiz show and being a weatherman. And, yeah, any, any sort of impressions that, that, that I, I would do of Tony doing Robert De Niro would not do any of it justice. So I'm, I'm just I'm going to stay right, right out of it. We can't recreate this. But, if you know it, yeah. you know it. Yep. But, look, yeah. just, just, just like the Woody Allen impression earlier, it's, it's just spot on. He, he's doing um, – he, he's sort of recalling De Niro's performance as Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, which I think De Niro won an Oscar for. It's certainly a very acclaimed film, Taxi Driver, and the famous phrase, is that what you want? Uh, there you go. I, 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 <laughs> hey. <laughs> you deserve that. Nice. Yeah. Is that what you want? You want me to come on this podcast? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> try, it, try it in your own home. It's great fun. Also, uh, what is the capital of Spain? Madrid, because uh, even though he had the answer right there on the card, we never found out. Yeah. Yep. Still, still wondering <laughs> until you just said, Daniel, you know. <laughs> so the next sketch uh, is a little, this one is a little bit different with Mick the Clown or Chuckles the Clown and his business expenses were brought under scrutiny by the tax department. This was a nice healthy sketch really that – it's a it's a very traditional yeah. sketch, really. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like the the one with John Farnham. You know, it's basically, you know, every possible gag you could do about a clown going to the tax office. You know, where so so yeah, very traditional sketch. I'm I'm disappointed they didn't work in a bit of you know giving her financial advice, but I guess they probably couldn't have, <laughs> <laughs> they probably couldn't have got that into a, a sketch about a clown going to the tax office. Well, see, it, it, it might have been sitting on the shelf for a while. It's sort of it's it's one of those sketches where it's not really topical. Yeah, mm. yeah, it, it was quite evergreen. Do I they use a term that the wanky term there? Mm. So yeah, there's still yeah. a couple couple of months before the tax deadline. So <laughs> if anyone's doing their tax right now, you've got basically today to do it. Unless you've got a tax agent, obviously. But if I was doing it myself, which I was, um, <laughs> last minute, I've only got a few hours to submit. Um, so anyway, he was, uh, some of the examples of things he was uh, claiming deductions for were uh, $1,600 for custard pies, $800 for whoopee cushions, $600 for shoes, but they were really big shoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there was a log book um, for, for his um 
for his vehicle was fifteen thousand dollars, and he's basically remind me what that joke was. Fifteen thousand dollars for vehicle depreciation because the doors kept flying off. <laughs> ah, there we go. The next segment, oh, they throw back to John Farnham. Rob is having a chat to Farnsey uh, with Farnham reading Glenn Wheatley's revisions from a song routine. And this is the old high school song, which everyone knows, Jesus Christ Superstar, Burning Around the Corner of Yamaha, blah, blah, blah. Everyone oh, knows that. Oh, oh, cops, cops were there. there. Doesn't didn't care. care. <laughs> he because he wasn't wearing, wearing any underwear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are some variations, apparently. My partner says there was did a skid, killed a kid. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that one, but anyway. I remember that one because that following one, he's burnt his balls on a petrol lid. <laughs> I, I, I would be really surprised if there's any other variations out there. Get in contact with us um, if there's anything different or if you just want to come up with your own, you know. We're, we're, we're starved for content. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Well, um, we, we find it very, very difficult to fill three hours of airtime, so you oh, know, we need you. I know. And, uh, you know, because of that, you might as well just skip ahead. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're still with us. There we go. So <laughs> <laughs> the next segment is Jane Hosts Interior Design, and the subject is how to furnish your beach house with guests, editors of Holiday Home Beautiful, Max Meehan, which is Jace and Alfonso Valare. I can never get his Italian names right. So that's Valare. Valare. There we go. God, I'm horrible at this. Like, 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 the, like the song. Valare. Yeah. Oh, I'm an idiot. I am such an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much give a rundown of what to do with your beach house, really. And that is secrets to beach house interior design. The three golden rules tacky, tacky, tacky. Design for walls, wooden cutlery, tapestry, and image of foods or baked goods or anything that would usually be sitting in a kitchen. And some sort of a weird string sculpture piece of artwork. Also, inject a bit of humour by... Macrame. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, sometimes in beach houses you see kind of 1970s macrame with, you know, like the beads woven into it and all that. Yeah, this giant salad servers, you know, that, that was mandatory at a, a 1990s beach house. My grandparents had them. When I was a child, we I tried to use them in the salads and they go, no, 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 don't. <laughs> they, you're using the wrong cutlery. And they go, it's there. It's what it's used for, right? And uh, other things that they had were by injecting humour into the beach house by using a picture of dogs playing snooker. Other things were play their scrabble which were missing A's, Q's and P's. And you also have to have a deluxe model TV, a broken knob that only gets one channel. And on rainy days, there's no channels, so you have to play their computer game, which they end up describing Pong. Yeah. As the table tennis with the bats. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and saying that, it'll get you minutes of fun. They also mention uh, old copies of uh, the Women's Weekly, but nothing after 1983, which, yeah. would, have been, which would have been when it went monthly. Um, the passive-aggressive sign about um, all breakages must be paid for, wash sand off your feet before entering the house, no pets, um, toilet paper only in the septic tank, and then have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, there's a big, as is mandatory with these sketches, they they say that Jane's a very beautiful lady. That's right. Very smart and beautiful lady. Yes. Which I, think, yeah. I, think, I think they, well, I don't know if they started off doing it like it, but certainly in this sketch, uh, it seems like they only say that to try and crack her up. 
I did that yeah. in a previous episode with the karate school, the yeah. self-defense school, yeah. where yeah, Santo starts stirring her up a little bit. So I, I, I also like a, a, a bit of the uh, – there was an exchange with uh, Jane saying that's terrible and um, I forget whether, whether it's either Jason or Santo uh, replying, thank you. The next sketch is a throwback, which you don't know until the big punchline happens, which is Robert De Niro – Tony Martin as Santa. Yeah, that's another classic one, isn't it? And he's, yeah. he's basically uh, the kid, the poor kid's like, oh, I want a tow truck dragging a car along. Is that what you want? Should I fly up to the top of the North Pole and get some elves to make that stuff for you? Is that what you want? Sorry, I, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> well done. I think everyone needs to do a De Niro by the end of the episode. Will that make you happy? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? You want yeah, me to yeah, that, do a that, that is what I want. You just want me yeah. to just put on an American accent and just try and fail miserably. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Well, f*** you. F*** you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gee, you're right. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should do it. It's 2020. It's been a really crappy year. We should all... Get that out of our system. Don't vent on Twitter, social media, Facebook <laughs> or anything. Just do a De Niro out in the street. Well, so, uh, something you, you were asking for um, on Twitter was um, if people want to uh, make a cameo on this podcast and um, say who they are, where they're from, and give us um, you know your best line from the late show. Well, that's where I actually... Why not do a uh, Robert De Niro impression? Well, I've got a sample here. It's not Robert De Niro. I was going to save this to the end of the episode, but I might as well bring it in now. So therefore, it just shows if you're paying attention and listening and not the three-minute version. I actually have one submission so far. Come on, there's got to be more. You're all downloading it. I know the stats. So this one is <laughs> this one is Lance and no surname or Twitter handle, uh, but he does a quick impression of a future character. I made love to her like a tiger. Like the tiger. <laughs> yeah, so oh, if, that's really well good. Done, yeah, so if you can submit your own version, uh, you can do anything like fifty bucks, or that's one I can think of at <laughs> the top of my head right now. Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I want more Robert De Niro. Send us your bobs. Yes, at yeah. TLS Champagne or email ChampagneLateShow at gmail dot com. So if you do that, and I can get him into the next episode or. I plan to build them up and release it as a little bit of a special letter on. I'm hoping for someone to do, here comes the clarinet. (laughs) 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 You know, you can contribute a Mia Farrow if you prefer. It can be the most subtle thing, even run, Charlie, run, or anything. Or yay, nice work, Charlie. Or run bottoms about anything. The next segment being commercial crime stoppers and Mick and Santo. Start highlighting uh, Doberman shutters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Santo seems a bit puffed out from the interior design sketch, which happened before this, just incidentally. So they played the commercial where of a person, a cliche intruder, trying to break into the roller shutters, and every time someone disturbs or tries to break in, they show a ghostly image of a Doberman because that's the brand. So Santa goes, you know, that will explain their deluxe model and they show a garage door with shutters with Bruno Lucia. Also, <laughs> also, yeah, that's very dead. That's, if you're not sure who Bruno Lucia is, just get the box set of All Together Now. Nothing oh, comes. Which, which, which is All Together Now. That's better. That's a better thing to do. Just put that in your front door. <laughs> 
That'll scare people <laughs> off. Also, Rose Hancock shutters. And also, the top range is the little fat kid from Hey Dad shutters. So, there's another fat kid from Hey Dad joke. But there are worse jokes to come in this segment. Please, do you want to describe the next one? <laughs> well, the, there's an organization called Bavaria Shutters. I don't know what it is with shutters adverts, but um, but there's this kind of really kind of over the top bit where um, a, a bloke in, in a German outfit in Liedhosen kind of comes in and, and annoys a woman in her home, and and the punchline is keeps out unwanted hands. <laughs> yes, his name is Hans. Yeah, so you know that. That's a good joke, isn't it? It's one of the so, best so, jokes. So good that, that Nick has to uh, has to lie through his teeth and say, I didn't get it in the dress rehearsal, but I just got it then. Yeah. <laughs> and they were running a little bit of a competition towards the end of it, showing a clip of a man in leotards, and they were asking what the ad was about. And it could have been, A, an ad for the Christian Television Association, B, Mark <laughs> Hunter's new music clip, and C, Senator Robert Ray on crack. Yay, a Senator Robert Ray reference. Yeah. Yes. You've got to love political jokes in this show. I also, also love that, that they thing. comment, boy, I wished I lived in Perth after seeing that. Yeah, very, uh, well, very flummoxing uh, advertisement. Yes. Yes. The key word is flummoxing. So the next segment is Shitscape with Tommy G, Rob, Mr. Fearless Shit. Oh, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Fearless Shit. 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 <laughs> yeah, Shitscape starring Rob as the shit. And uh, and uh, Mick is the skit. Oh, continue on. Oh, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm just going to leave it as is. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Sitch. Rob Mr. Fearless Sitch. <laughs> and Mick yeah. on location at Mount Hotham. His stunt is very highly dangerous. It's an aerial ski jump. And the film is a remake from the Man of Snowy River, all done on skis. So Man from Snowy River um, number three. And I didn't even know there was the number two. So this is interesting. So... Yeah, they were doing it the third movie, and Rob was stunt doubling for Jack Thompson. Saying that the cult from Old Regret, uh, old regret gets chased down the moguls. And you have a bit of Mick yodeling because they are, they're at, at Mount Hotham, which I'm, I'm assuming that when they filmed the previous uh, speed skiing record, they were at Mount Hotham too. Do it all in one hit, maybe. Yeah. Yep. I'd certainly hope so for that ABC budget. Mick makes a scale snow jump, and Rob explains what he's going to do. Cue the snowman Mick has made as well off Rob. While they're there, what skiing equipment does Rob use? And that's Mount Hotham Ski Hire. What a quality brand. <laughs> Very expensive, about six bucks an hour. Bigger than the ABC budget. Now, <laughs> Mick uh, urinates in the snow and yeah. Mick supplies Rob with thermo gloves uh, with a giant novelty hand. The snow produces many dangers, avalanches, whiteouts, school holidays, ticket prices, car parking and the Yeti. <laughs> So not not much has changed then. And Rob, I like Mick- the fact that throughout this sketch, Mick has got earmuffs over his yeah. helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did note that. That was a that was a nice touch. And I also yeah. like the little mini version of uh, when he does the snowman, and and Rob basically decapitates the, <laughs> the mini version of yeah. Mick as a snowman. Do you know what type of skill sets there were on the ski slopes that Rob describes? You know what colours they were and what uh, difficulties they were. Oh, the, the uh, green. green. The, the green was meant to be the easiest, but he was making it out as it, as if it were the most difficult. Yeah, this was like how he he suggested that the belt colours were different. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, had a par- yellow parallel with yeah. that. Yes. So yeah, it's meant to go yellow, blue, black. Black with skull and crossbones, then green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Rob does his helicopter stunt and then he gets slammed by Mick on a snowmobile. So he actually completes the stunt but screws it up at the same time. Yeah, basically uh, the the dummy gets ploughed by Mick on the, the ski-doo. Do we reckon it was him or uh, someone dressed as him uh, doing that ski jump? I'm, so, I'm sort of 50-50 as to whether it's Rob or someone else. You know what? I wouldn't have any idea because unless you know that Rob is good at skiing, then I guess it probably was someone else totally different. I've kind of got the feeling because they they did go on the slopes occasionally um, as part of uh, their work uh, on radio. Rob sort of seems like the the kind of guy who who would be a a competent skier, I would think. We'll go with that. We'll go with him. Unless we make a phone call to Working Dog. So was that Rob in 1992 doing that jump? And they would just go, leave us alone. <laughs> the next part is the toilet break with Tony. Now, this is a special toilet break because in regards to Jesus Christ Superstar. Now, that's the 1992 version. Now, you go back to the 70s, the 1977 version, I believe, is the one with Gus Mercurio, and they play the commercial where Gus Mercurio is plugging Jesus Christ Superstar and Just Jeans. On stage at rehearsal are the stars of Jesus Christ Superstar, and it's a fantastic show. No kidding. Jesus and Mary and Juz by Just Jeans. What a name, Juz. Just With that little commercial, which would have been suited for Funky Squad times, you have a lead into the reenactment of the four Kingsmen, but they're performing Ice T's Cop Killer, which was quite controversial at the time. Still kind of is, but this is where Ice T was banned from coming to Australia because of that one song. Yeah, he, he copped quite a lot of flack uh, for this song, uh, so much so that. Eventually, it got taken off of the uh, the album uh, by the band uh, that he was part of called Body Count. It's not even available on streaming. Um, there is a live version you can uh, listen to uh, if you so wish. Just be advised that there's a lot of um, F the polices in there. We don't get a lot of in the Four Kinsmen uh, parody. But this is a very well done clip by the by the boys and, and Jane, of course. And just the, the footwork and, and Mick's expression, his acting, is it's very much oh, like the, the yeah. Frente clip where he's just overacting and his, his facial expressions are just hilarious. He's really um, having it up in this one. Yeah. Oh, they loved it. Yeah, they? a bunch of guys who don't dance very well, they really get into it, you know. They they throw themselves in as best they can. It's a bit like when Alexi Sale used to dance in Alexi Sale stuff, you know, just chuck themselves into it and, and they would produce something really funny, so... Well done to them all. Um, if you want to watch this, um, well, the easy way is that it is on YouTube. Somebody has put this up uh, on YouTube. But, um, you know, if, if you want to do it the uh, the legal way, it is available as an Easter egg on the Barge Arse Olden Days DVD. Good luck trying to find it, but it is there. All right, so the news update is, and I'll go straight through these as they're somewhat bullet points. Unless anyone wants to say anything, feel free to chime in. You have... A.V. Jennings to open up a display home in Bosnia. Ah, terrible joke. (laughs) George Bush sets out to single-handedly heal race relations and it's got uh, George Bush interacting with a karate school 
And George is pointing with Rob overdubbing. I'm going to kick your butt. I'm going to kick your butt. That's right. While getting this karate uniform on. And to mark the anniversary of the failed coup in Russia, Boris Yeltsin unveils Moscow's first public urinal. And that echoes the first <laughs> news <laughs> news update from episode one. There's, there's, there's not too, too many jokes you can really do when you see somebody behind a big, um, a big thing that looks like a urinal, yeah. 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 I like that he, he sort of self-deprecatingly says satire all the way after that joke. Yeah. yeah. And well, now, then, the, then the next sketch, yeah, more satire certainly. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk yeah. about that one? Janet Holmes of Court becomes the first female member of the Reserve Bank Board and cue all the sexist remarks. Again, this is, this is it's sort of a similar sentimentality to uh, there was one in the first couple of episodes to do with Aboriginal deaths in custody where they're not really joke jokes. It's more just sort of highlighting the the how, how much of an asshole men uh, can be, really. Yeah, it doesn't reflect on the D-Gen themselves. It's just more or less trying to highlight the fact that that's what it was like back then. Yeah, I think they did this yeah, one a lot, lot better than the other one. The, these male members of the Reserve Bank Board ask her to make tea and collect their dry cleaning and, and, and all, all that kind of stuff that, you know, I guess women in the workplace still face to a, a large extent, unfortunately. Yeah, I think and it's yeah, still it a was, very irrelevant clip. Oh yeah, it's very it's very right on, but um, yeah, it fell with a thud really because um, like Tommy G tries to backpedal out of it, saying, "Good luck to Janet there. She's certainly a good sort, and we'll move overseas now rather quickly." The next story is the UN convoy being held up uh, in, and I this is I'm going to say it wrong, Juradgiston. Yep, I'll I'll go with that. Please, Me too. yep. <laughs> Uh, and they were held up by landmines, anti-tank devices and the lollipop lady. More of a visual yeah. joke for that one. Now to Melbourne where the ambulance service was rotten from the top down and grossly under-equipped and a sketch of Santo as an ambulance officer piss-farting about and everything is just a complete schmozzle pretty much. I quite like um, Santo's performance in this because it's not, it's not very over the top. It's quite understated really. He gets a, a phone call from um, yeah from somebody uh, wanting an ambulance there immediately, and just you know just sort of goes through all the very cliched sort of you know you want it now. It can only be between eight and eleven or whenever it yeah, was. Yeah, that's right. Very specific time slots, and the urgency of the situation just seemed completely lost on him. And that's that's the, that's part of the that's the whole joke, obviously. Uh, I think Santo didn't really well in this, as you say, Daniel. Very understated, but brought the point home, and the whole. Uh, the whole situation in the amb- in the ambulance um, area where they can't even spell the word ambulance and they've got a pizza haven there as well with Popper's ambulance <laughs> for free if it's not there in 20 minutes. And now the US Republican convention again and Santo was on location during the week making observations and anyone who gets to go on the podium gets a big reaction and so Santo starts demonstrating it. Uh, point like this and say, America, and you get this huge... And he said, um, I will shoot anyone wearing a stupid hat for America. <laughs> there are plenty of stupid hats in, in America at the moment, aren't there? <laughs> um, I liked how the audience um, cheered Santo when there was someone holding up a sign saying, Santo makes us smile. That's quite cute. <laughs> <laughs> now we have Piss Week World, or Piss Week World with ease. 
uh, colonial village. Ye oldie, fifth week world. Yeah, ye oldie, mm. yeah. You know, it's ye oldie because the ad starts off with hee ye, hee ye, hee ye. <laughs> just, so that just, was... just like your Adelaide medieval fair from a few episodes back, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. no doubt an inspiration. Of course, yeah. And they have, on the like the colonial village, in Adelaide as well, where they had riding on the exciting Cobb & Co coach, which has a man wearing a horse head carrying around a wheelbarrow. See a genuine blacksmith at work, Tom holding a nail over a candle. <laughs> and the toaster, real damper, bush tucker. And <laughs> being put in the stocks where you basically we just had your arms hanging out of the window of the car. <laughs> a 43-year-old man in an unconvincing costume. Yeah, as the bunyip, yeah. That's right. And they're panning for gold in the gutter of the street as well. So it's basically a Sovereign Hill piss take. The next segment, Tommy G with audience participation. Tony, Rob, Mick and Santo reenact album covers. So this looks like it's just trying to fill some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Although it, it does have a very spectacular ending. With, what's his name, Aaron Bow Care Specialty. Yep. Yeah, setting, setting Jason on fire. All right. I mean, I'm, just, I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to think of, of how, how that, that would have been done. Obviously there's something underneath that's preventing Jason from getting hurt and there's probably only a limited amount of time you can set somebody on fire before, before they yeah, start to they notice. They have a special chemical thing it's like, which they would have coated and there will be a low heat uh, producing fire. So, um, And, yeah, I'd mm. say they would have had all the, quite, the measures and all the smoke detectors all turned off or at least <laughs> not around the area. <laughs> they managed to reenact quite a lot of album covers in this uh, and just, you know, ask the audience to shout out the answers. So they go through Beatles doing the walk on Abbey Road, uh, the band on the run with wings. Uh, Jane uh, manages to waste a lot of time trying to get out there while uh, Tom tries to fill in, um, recreating uh, Led Zeppelin Four. Uh, then there was Rolling Stone's Sticky Fingers, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, and then, yeah, the pièce de Resistance, uh, Jason uh, partially on fire, shaking hands with... Um, who was he shaking hands with? I forget. But uh, recreating Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. And can you remember who the other guy was that, uh, that uh, Jason was uh, shaking hands with? We'll go with Santa. I was, I was, I was, I was yeah. too, um, too mesmerised by the, the fact flight. that somebody was on fire. Quick little sketch is next, which is a commercial, the Hack 2000, over-exaggerated blender chopping up everything that Jane puts in. Fingers, veggies, and pretty much the entire joke, yeah. And yeah, it, got, it, it got a really good reaction from the crowd because, you know, re- reacting to all that blood everywhere with a big, Ugh. Yeah, I think as we discovered from previous episodes, gadgets are all the rage in the 90s and, and Hack 2000, it sounds really impressive. And, and these products, some of them are just a load of crap. So obviously this one was uh, criminally unsafe, untested, completely untested. Um Asbestos-lined carry case as well, just in case you, you wanted that bit of extra danger to your meals. Um, all the different blades. I think we preempt the um, the Gillette kind of sixteen blade um, ad further on along the, se- the series. Um, yeah, I like this ad. It was very clever. It was one of their best. I that the 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 company name, the the name of the manufacturer, Shonkster, would have put people off, but apparently not. The next segment: Tommy G with his dog, and it's not Charlie. That's the female no, dog. it's uh, it's Ellie. Ellie, yes, and uh, breaking down dog food. So he has uh, as a sample of uh, pow or, you know, a proper meaty dog food and then 
His claim to fame is his own invention, which is Wolfo's dog food, a food that dogs actually want, containing garden hoses, rocks, grass clippings, and a piece of a sock, a doormat, and a mystery ingredient, dead fish. We were talking in the last episode about whether the dog that Tommy G had was called was Charlie the do- the Wonder Dog, and then but I think probably it was Ellie the the not so Wonder Dog. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ellie the, the dog. I reckon that might have meant that this sketch might have been meant for last week, perhaps, but might have gotten cut for time. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, because he was sitting there, wasn't he? On on at the end, yeah, ah, yes. last week. We should always we should also point out. Tom eating the pal dog food, and yeah. uh, he's saying um, the Aussie pensioners can't be wrong because I think going all the time was the, the fact that they were a on qu- such a, a, a low income. Australian pensioners can't be wrong, yeah. And naturally, the dog eats the brand X, which is the natural dog food, and not Wolfo's. So he's a little bit disappointed. Oh shucks! And uh, yeah, Tom Tom has the perfect line. Right, that's it. You're getting spayed on Monday. Poor Ellie. Boy, that drum's getting a workout tonight. Now, the next segment, Graham and the Colonel, and right after the show is Order in the House. So they have to make it quick. In fact, the show is running quite long. As is ours. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sri Lanka could win their first test match ever with 500 runs, and Craig McDermott got hit (laughs) in the head by a bouncer. And the Colonel goes, "Uh, what was he doing at the discotheque? And then he <laughs> reiterates, you know, bouncer, get it? Graham's reaction was priceless, though. And they, they moved on uh, away from sport and talked about Fergie again. <laughs> and they were just saying, gosh, what about the quality of those photos? They were so blurry. How could Kodak has made the Duchess pay for them? And then they talk about the stickers where, where you actually used to get, um, uh, if, your, if your photo is out of focus, there would be a sticker saying, you have to remember to focus your camera. You have not been charged for this print. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, I yeah. remember those. Yeah. I do have a story when um, I accidentally left my camera at someone's party and it was a colleague's party and, and the people at the party used that camera to take some photos. When I came back to collect it the next, the next week, I was like, hmm, I'm sure I was only halfway through this role. Oh. And then when I went to the photo <laughs> developing place, I said, I don't know what's on this camera. <laughs> and then when I got it back, there were people who were just basically drunk and, yeah, they, they were in certain positions. They, they were in underwear, but you could but they were actually, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and I was like, hmm, that actually did happen to my camera. Oh, no. That's like when you... That scene, that scene from Parenthood came true. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's a flashback. And they were suggesting what celebs you could fantasise about in this country in regards to the Fergie type things and they and Santo started sorry, the Colonel started ranting at Dawn Fraser, Dame Joan Sutherland, the mother from Sylvania Waters. Yeah. Colin McCulloch and Another fat joke. Yep. And the anniversary of Mike Tyson losing his heavyweight belt. The next day he found them on his other trousers. Classic dumb Graham and the Colonel joke there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so they're on the verge of wrapping up for the episode and they have the worst album covers and it's a lot more than what it was last week when they only had Ted Mulvey gang. So you had Johnny O'Keefe with the Peppermint Twist. That was that was interesting, the Peppermint Twist, because I always thought, you know, Johnny O'Keefe was the wild one, you know, and, and he, he was like a tough rocker and, and this looks like, you know, not a particularly tough rocker album, the Peppermint Twist. 
No, wasn't it? It was such left of field in a way. Yeah, it looks like something your grandparents had owned, you know, but anyway. <laughs> and other albums were presenting Max Whitehouse as well as the young talent team Salutes ABBA. Featuring mm. Dancing Queen. <laughs> it's uh, available on eBay for twenty nine ninety five. Oh, boy. Uh, far too yeah. expensive. Yeah. Or you could go to um, a particular place in um, Bendigo if you'd like to actually... Pick it up locally. <laughs> and also the last one being Ernie Sigley. And here's Ernie. <laughs> I, I, I actually like own an Ernie Sigley album, not not that Ernie Sigley album, but another one, and he's not a great singer. I'm just going to put that out there. So it's no Hey Paula type thing? Yeah. I mean, well, that, hey, that, hey, hey Paula was no masterpiece either. Really. It's all right, but, you know, that that's kind of the level that Ernie Sigley's on. He's all right as a singer. Not like... Yeah, everything everything is not all right on Ernie's album. <laughs> Other than the worst album covers, it wraps up with the closing and Graham and the Colonel uh, promote the audience tickets with Jane chiming in <laughs> and Rob. She's a very beautiful woman. She's yeah. a very beautiful They're trying to make her laugh again. Read in between the lines on that one. And uh, Jane asks for next week's audience to donate $5 uh, when they come into Somalia and the Famine Fund. Yeah. So... Quite interesting that they're doing that. You sort you sort of forget about that sort of thing going through the news that was happening in 1992. That um, yeah, that sort of thing was happening as well. Then again, well, well, we've 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 got the joke Michael Hirsch uh, credit to, to get through. Yep. Well, it was Madonna's Wardrobe by Michael Hirsch. <laughs> ah, excellent. Straight out of the Marilyn Monroe reenactment. Yep. Good old Hershey. Unless anything else needs to be said. No, we've got to get to Parliament. Yes. <laughs> and, yes, the, oh, yeah, I've got to go check on the Queensland election now, see who's actually the, the Premier for Queensland. Yeah, don't, don't tell me who won because I'm, I'm taping it for later. Okay, good. <laughs> Is that what you want? You want to go find out who won the election? Is will that it, what you want? Will that make you happy? <laughs> <laughs> well done. That's an applause for everyone. Yeah, we got through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's time as well. Yes. So. Yeah, so much. We got through so much again, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes. Yeah. And just a quick little dovetail in regards to earlier when I was asking for your own impression of your favourite quote from the late show and to send it through again. This is what Lance sent through. I made love to her like a tiger, like a tiger. Please send it through, <laughs> champagnelateshow at gmail.com because I would like to make a little montage tribute to the listeners and also this podcast. You know, if it works in by the end of the year, fingers crossed there will be like a little Christmas special. So please send them through. I don't have any prizes, but you never know what I might find at the $2 shop. But, hey, you, you get the glory of being on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. All our 10 not- listeners can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, not yep. everybody can say that they've been on a podcast. No, no. only every second person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. See, see how the other half lives. Submit your stuff. Yes. All right, well, thank you very much for listening. That is episode six of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. And, yep, please uh, make sure you stay subscribed to us on through your favourite podcast provider. And, yeah, shoot us an email, champagnelateshow at gmail.com or send us a tweet at TLS Champagne. And 
Yeah, please make it positive or otherwise I'm going to label you as a... Water key. <laughs> yeah. At least if you do that, make it in written form, but give us five stars on iTunes and Google Podcasts. So thank you very much, Alice and Kim and Daniel. It's been record timing. Yay! Yay! Right. See you next time. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.